we are walking through the Sermon on the Mount, and one of the things that I love about getting to study this part of Scripture is that we live in this bizarre moment in the Bible Belt where we have become sort of masters at compartmentalizing our faith with Jesus. So like maybe more than any people in the history of following Jesus, we have sacred and we have secular spaces in our walk with Christ. So Sunday morning for an hour and 15 minutes, that belongs to Jesus. The other 167 hours of the week, we're sort of navigating our own life and territory and trying to do it on our own. And Mm -hmm. so today we want to have a conversation about following Christ in the marketplace. What does it look like to integrate faith and work? What does it look like to try to cultivate virtue in a world that's working against virtue? Um, What does it look like to approach a job as not just a J-O-B, but a calling? Mm -hmm. And so it's an honor that you guys are here because the three of you are, in my opinion, exemplary in the way that you approach work as people of faith. So Mm -hmm. what I'd love to do is ask you guys to tell us a little bit about what sets you down the road of picking this particular vocation and what are some things that you think are really important along your story? And I'll start. If I yeah. put you on the spot, <laughs> yeah, that would be let's great. do it. I would almost say that did not pick where I'm at, did not pick this vocation by any means. I think I was trying to get away from it. I grew up in a super entrepreneurial family. My dad's dream is to start a business every two years, which it's crazy. I tell him to stop. Um, but so kind of grew up with that mindset, and everyone, yeah, everyone in my family is very marketing and, and business based, and I kind of my rebellion was like, I'm going to go to college and I'm going to study humanities and I'm going to make it practical. And so I loved Latin. And so I was a letters major at OU, Latin minor, wanted to teach Latin, had a job doing that in college, loved it. And um, really I thought thought that's what I was going to do and yeah, just enjoyed it so much. And so um, here I am after that doing something that I said I would never do, owning a business um, or co-owning a business and running, running a lot of operations and that kind of thing. And so when I was in college, we were looking for a way to pay for school. My dad was really passionate, like, hey, you're going to pay for school and you're not going to go into debt. And so that's how the food truck started. Um, and we had a family tradition of making pizza on Saturday nights. And so my dad had seen a food truck in another state that had a wood-fired oven. And we had the foolish idea in Oklahoma to put a wood-fired oven on a food truck. And we worked it. So all three summers of my college, we'd come home. I'd come home every summer and work really hard on that. And Towards the end of my college career, you know, the goal was done. We had paid for my school, and which was just such a gift now looking back and realized we really enjoyed what we had created. So we had um, just people that we knew in the city that I never would have known except for the food truck because we had to call them and I had to say, can I park outside and sell pizza? Guests that we had gotten to know, some that I go to church with now, like had no idea that we would be in community together, which is so cool. So kind of fell in love with it and decided that, the restaurant was a really great step for us because of the hospitality piece of kind of grew up in a family with a lot of emphasis on loving people through food. And so that really fit well. And we decided to launch that. So I graduated from college and, um, we kind of, in my head, I was thinking, we'll give this a try. Like all of my friends were making one year job decisions. And I thought that's what I was doing as well. And signed a 10 year lease, didn't realize that I had committed to something way in over my head. And so that's kind of where I landed today. So I think that the job I do, I'm currently the GM, but I do probably the least GM duties of possible. My team does a lot of the operations so that I get to do like leadership development, hospitality, as far as like what customer service, what taking care of our team looks like, taking care of our guests. So um, yeah, very unlikely. And I, I think that it kind of fits in a lot too of realizing I didn't get here by any of my own choices. You know, yes, I made choices along the way, but it felt just very much what was put in front of me. And so that kind of, I think, fuels a lot of my day to day. I'm like, okay, Lord, like you put me here. So I'm going to be faithful and just walk in it. So 
Amazing. Thank yeah. you so much. Yeah, it's like, it, it seems to me that one of the things that's happening in our country that happens both in the church and in business is this whole idea that we're just kind of using our employees to get to mm -hmm. the bottom line. And that's mm -hmm. sort of the end of it. It's very transactional. Mm -hmm. And one of the things I love about your approach is that you really do seem mm -hmm. to have a heart to love and serve the people that are working with you and for you. Mm -hmm. um, so if you could take a second and just talk about like, how do you, how do you approach a relationship with employees thinking about that through the lens of God's grace and his love? Yeah, I think first off, it's the only way I'd wanna run my business. Um, and I think I'm a very people focused person. So the operations side of it, I, I do it. You know, I was looking at spreadsheets all day. I'll do it, but I really care about the people. So I think that it, it makes the most sense when I'm looking at my business, how do I wanna run this? So I had a conversation with some people yesterday and they were talking about how they wanna call their team um, up and not out. And I think, I thought that was just so good. That's really what, I, what we're looking to do. So yes, I can hire people and use them. And I think our industry, the restaurant industry is very well known for using people up. It's a hard industry. It's tiring. It's exhausting. And I understand why it gets the rap it does. Um, but rather than doing that, calling, calling people up and saying there's so much more um, so we can lead and develop. So who says a restaurant has to be, this is a job you clock in and out of. And so what does it look like to develop leaders? And my, you know, my goal, and I say this to my team all the time, is when you leave employment with us, which will happen, we're a transition yeah. job is for most people. I want you to be better than when you, when you came here. Mm -hmm. um, and so what does that look like? So I, I love our leadership team. We read books together. Um, we listen to podcasts together of something that I'm really passionate about and that's what all I sometimes it feels like that's all I can give it's like well I can share my passion with you um, and so I think that's huge and I think looking at our community that's what I want my fellow businesses to be doing as well is like raising people to be better than than what they could be yeah because again mm -hmm. in order to sell pizza in order to serve tables in order to manage a restaurant you don't have to have any of those things but you get to um, so yeah, I, yeah I think that it's the only thing that makes me want to get out of bed and do work every day because on, on the really hard days it's really challenging i kind of come back to okay lord like what am i doing today well i can go to work and make it the best place for people to work you know and that's something i can find a clear a and b decision that day yeah so that's so beautiful and like how mm -hmm. amazingly profound would it be if people just committed themselves to leaving people in places better mm -hmm. off than they found them mm -hmm. amazing thanks for sharing that um if i could jump to you susan if you don't sure. mind telling us a little bit about your story <clears throat> okay um so I'm sort of an Okie. Uh, my great grandparents came here in the um, in the land rush. Lived in uh, really just kind of due west from Oklahoma City. Got settled there, but after that, for uh, the next two generations, military completely. Um, and so, whether I was raised as a dependent in the military, uh, my grandfather was in the military, my uncles, my aunts married men in the military. My cousins, including the girls, have all served in the military, almost all of them. So um, the, the calling to serve was really embedded in my childhood. That said, um, the call for a woman when I was a child was not to go to a job. Yeah. Um, and in fact, actually, I was born in West Point and so was my grandfather. Or my, so is my dad and my grandfather. We're all born, born there. And uh, I thought for sure, and they, I'm sorry, I've muddled that. My, my dad was born at West Point. He also graduated from there, and so did my grandfather. So I thought for sure I should apply there. And my dad said, that is no place for a lady. So I was just, uh, 
at a place in my life um, that, of course, I just fell into step and I followed where he wanted me to go. Um, I ended up at Wheaton College and um, that was just a great growing up place for me. I thought for sure though that when I graduated from college, I would, um, I would work until I had kids and that I would go home. I really believed and I still believe that's a beautiful calling um, and I thought that would be mine. Um, after serving on a jury about 15 years ago, uh, I was fascinated by the experience. And it was about a week and a half long trial. And, um, and uh, a few weeks later, my dad was in town. I was talking to him about things going on in our family. And I told him uh, jokingly that in my next life, I was gonna be a lawyer. So long story short, he said to me, Uncle Sam paid for my medical school um, because he was a career army doc. And I can be your Uncle Sam for law school if you want that. Um, it was a really hard decision for me though. It's a big thing for any individual or any family to take on. Uh, we had uh, three kids at the time, and uh, so that was not an opportunity that I took lightly. I was honestly a little reluctant, um, but I did feel led into that next step, and uh, it's kind of funny, you know, you made some reference to that wasn't what I expected to do with my life. <laughs> so. Um, I too would have never thought that, um, but what a blessing it's been. You know, I started in the industry on the insurance defense side, served for three years with just amazing, an amazing team of people at an insurance company defending their insureds. After several years doing that, I realized that that was the right place for me then, but I felt led to go and serve people on the other side. Um, and about that time, I got a call from a firm saying, would you ever consider going to the other side? Uh, so that's the short story of how I ended up um, doing what I do now. Um, and after a few years with that firm, I ended up opening my own. And then girl attorney. So girl attorney followed from my experiences just as a career uh, a trial attorney, probably in particular, because it's a more male-dominated space for attorneys. And uh, I would go to conferences for litigation attorneys and they'd say, oh, who's your husband? Mm. Yeah. <laughs> they just, I just kept being mistaken for somebody's spouse. And even though I was with my people, they didn't know I was one of them. And it's just because of my gender. So these are polite people wanting to engage with me and uh, include me, but that extra level of processing um, that goes with uh, being uh, in the right place to learn the right things for the right reasons, but you're just not seen. Yeah. You're just not seen. Um, that's kind of tiring, if nothing else, and it is something else too. <laughs> but just to say, at a minimum, it's a kind of exhausting distraction. So following from those experiences, I thought it might be kind of nice if I brought all the women attorneys together, and by all I meant all 46 Facebook friends I had that were women attorneys, so not very many people. But I did bring them together and it grew. We're now a community across the U.S. of over 20,000 women. It's amazing. All connected and uh, communicating, encouraging. Uh, women write, I just got this amazing verdict, you guys, and everyone cheers them on. And women write in and say, it went wrong every conceivable way and I don't even know why I'm doing this. And complete strangers respond and give them encouragement and support. Um, it's uh, 
so that was not all what I expected it to be, and it's been just a really sweet opportunity to build community. Um, I could not be more, I joke, not really a joke. It may be the most important thing that I've done with my law degree is start a Facebook group. Amazing. I love it. Thank you so much for sharing that. Thanks. And I love like where most people are trying to dodge jury duty. You just received a calling from oh, the living God. I was so excited. <laughs> so I was super pumped about that because I did not get paid $25 a day to stay at home with my kids. Yeah. And people will watch your kids for free when you're on jury duty. So awesome. I was really into it. <laughs> I love it. Thank you. Thanks. Hey, Landon, talk to, talk to us a little bit about how you got where you are. Yeah, so um, after school, I moved to Portland, Oregon for a year. Um, I really didn't know what I wanted to do, and um, I entered a post-grad fellowship program out there. And basically the idea of the fellowship program was um, you they had six guys and six girls, and they lived in two different houses. And it was kind of around some different beliefs, but all um, in the following of Jesus and how that interferes with the workplace um, and kind of getting rid of this idea of the sacred and secular divide. And so um, they placed everyone into a different job. And then after that job, you had to go live with six guys and be live reconciled with these guys. Um, and so in school, our roommates and I we were all super close and we had all you know dreamed about opening up a coffee shop one day or um, I studied advertising and always thought about, man, that'd be really cool to start an ad agency one day. Um, I didn't really know how that, what that would look like. I just kind of thought, I'd just go get a job. Um, and I think for a lot of, a lot of it growing up, I just always saw like a job as, okay, as a follower of Jesus, my role at work is then, would have to be then to go tell people about Jesus, my uh, co-employees. Um, and it wasn't until after school where, I was thinking like, okay, but there has to be something more to this. There has to be something more to the actual work that I do um, and understanding how our actual work um, is a part of the kingdom of God. And so while I was out in Portland, um, I don't know, I was very enthused by the entrepreneurial spirit I was around. I was working for a startup nonprofit and then a couple of my friends out there, um, one started a video company and one started an ice cream truck. Um, and so, while I was out there the whole time, I was thinking I need to be back in Oklahoma City and I want to start something in Oklahoma City. And um, and so I spent a year in Portland and moved back to Oklahoma City and, and I, the plan was I was going to go start a, start a coffee shop. Um, and so I worked at a couple different coffee shops and um, got a few of our friends together who we just hadn't been connected as well since college and life got busy. and. We just had this idea of, hey, let's just start a coffee truck on the weekend, something to do together to keep us connected as friends. Um, and there's a sign on Swanson's building, um, just right in front of Hall's Pizza, that they were having a competition for three months free rent and $3,000 to go pop up there for um, for a little while. And, and so we entered a competition in, and added ice cream to the mix to kind of make it, I don't know, more, just more facetable in different areas. And uh, they called us the next day and asked us, asked us to sign a five-year lease. Um, and at that point, we were just like, let's just kind of go all in and see what we can make happen. Um, and a year later, we opened up and I've uh, been open since May of 2018. Yeah. Amazing. Thanks, dude. Mm -hmm. That's awesome. 
Um, so what I'd love to do is I'd love to throw out some questions and you guys can take it wherever you want to go. And whoever wants to jump in, if you've got some energy, that's amazing. No pressure. You don't have to answer these. Cool? Cool. So one of the things I think about <clears throat> is like inputs and outputs. And I think of all the pulls in our, in our culture towards like compromising of integrity. Um, there's so many ways we can do it. We can cut corners. We can objectify people. We can relate to employees as competitors instead of actually relating to them as human beings that are image bearers of God. Um, I think about just the temptations of becoming a workaholic, trying to find identity in work. Like it is just, it is just completely loaded with peril when we think about walking out of our door into a culture that's consumeristic and that doesn't really love and follow Jesus. So one of the things I'd like to know is like, what are the practices that you put into place so when those temptations hit you, right? Um, when you're tempted to try to find identity in work or to reduce a person to a means to the end that you're wanting to seek mm. and pursue. Like before that happens, what are the inputs in your life, in your walk with Jesus that help you walk out your door on a Monday morning, like prepared to face the day as a follower of Christ? Well, maybe not exactly answering your question, but it's more of a response. Yeah. Um, I remember one time and I don't remember what it was, but I was having a really bad day at work. Um, and this was when I was at my own office by then. And uh, I just knew I had to get my identity straight again. Um, and so this, um, this verse from a hymn came to mind, Riches I heed not, nor man's empty praise. And I wrote it down. And I, it's stuck on the back of my desk so I can see it. Um, that's part of it, just doubling back. Um, and, uh, you know, it's not, there's not a ritual I have in the morning that, um, that sets that tone. Um, for me, it's, it's my touchstone all day. It's why am I doing this? Why am I doing anything? Um, you know, it's my identity in Christ. It's, I, this work is a gift. Um, this relationship is an opportunity, whether it's my employee or my client or someone in the community that I'm interacting with. When things don't feel right, I just remind myself, whose are you? Where do you orient from? And um, I, I do that a lot. <laughs> I have to do that a lot. It's not... Uh, it's a it's just a constant process for me yeah. um, and I, I get rooted and I get my hope and I get my direction from there that's how that works for me it's, really it's always working and it does work yeah um, because he's doing it I and mean, it's not a box to check mm. it's a system that yeah thank you for sharing that that's Thanks. amazing <clears throat> anything for you guys yeah I think one, I fell at that a lot, I think, and I think it's something I'm constantly um, going back to and thinking about it. And, you know, a lot of it is perspective, I think, and and kind of like what you said, like it's realizing this is a gift and an opportunity to get to do something. Um, you know, like so many times I feel like you can get conceited with the work and think like, oh, this guy did start an ice cream shop and on my side I'm like yeah I'm scooping ice cream at midnight like and you get these two perspectives and 
reminding myself, and this is actually, like, I get to do this is awesome. And it's a gift. And not that it's better than any other job or worse, but it, this is what I'm doing and, yeah. and I can do this well. Um, I think for me, though, you know, like before work, it's a constant reminder of, I don't know, I, I, a lot of times when I'm spending time with the Lord, it's just like asking, to rem- remembering like I'm in a participation with Him and like, yeah. okay, let's, what are we going to do today together at work? Um, and like bringing it kind of back to that, that piece of, um, yeah, just like wh- what am I doing here and, and how can we love the city and love this job together? Thanks, brother. Mm-hmm. I think there's a yeah. I think there's a really hard tension between being faithful and giving it my all, and becoming a workaholic, or mm-hmm. idolizing my work, or obsessing over my work and not being able to let it go. You know, so mm-hmm. I think that's really hard because it feels like being all in can kind of become a, mm-hmm. this cover. Like, okay, Lord, I'm doing what you're calling me mm-hmm. to. Can become this cover for constantly working or never letting it go. And so I think that's been really interesting to say, Lord, like what does that look like to be faithful every day and give it my all and support my team, but also be faithful outside of that, you know? And so putting some like limits in place, I know I'm not married, but I have a roommate who I started to pick up on the fact that I wouldn't be where I had said I would be because I got stuck at work. And I would be checking in with a team member who I thought, you know, needed me or something and realizing how rude that was to her, but I didn't feel like this commitment I had made, you know? And so kind of putting, starting to lean into those, those tensions that I was feeling of, okay, Lord, yeah, yes, I'm called to be here, but also stepping back and trusting you and that element of, okay, Lord, I don't feel like this is done all the way today. I'm nervous about this. I'm anxious leaving this situation, but I'm headed out because I told Taylor, my roommate, I'd be there. So I'm going to go do that. And then element of trust and letting the fear go of like, okay, Lord, like you, you've given me this job, but you've not called me to be enslaved to it and so yeah I don't know I think those are kind of some of my thoughts on yeah it can become this it's this holy calling but it can become enslaving to a certain yes. extent and that's not integrity you know and that my, my employees see that you know my team members see that too so that's so good I, I literally need to like put that on a loop and watch that about four times a week <laughs> me too <It's> really <laughs> me too really good mm-hmm. um, one of the things I'm, I'm thinking about is that you guys come across people in the marketplace that are having you know, I think this is true for all of you, probably in particular, it's true for you. Mm-hmm. You're encountering people sometimes at their very worst, right? So you're running across people that are having really great days and really bad days. And one of the things that I'm, I'm wondering is like, what does it look like to try to embody your faith with presence for you guys? Mm-hmm. Meaning like there's times where we get to open our mouth and explicitly share the good news of Jesus, but so much of just following Christ in the marketplace I, I would imagine is bringing presence, bringing peace to an anxious situation, an anxious circumstance. Mm-hmm. So I just wonder what your thoughts are. You're, you're encountering people that are going through mountaintop experiences, through deep <clears throat> valleys. What's it like to just be present with people as a follower of Jesus? Yeah, I think uh, we get a really unique opportunity um, with ice cream because it's a celebration food or it's a you know, having a bad day and make your day better food. Um, and so we call all of our team daymakers. And our whole <clears throat> mantra is that any person that walks into our store, our goal is that they will leave with their day made better. Um, and it's pretty easy to do with ice cream. We don't have to do a lot, but something we really encourage our team is just for radical hospitality um, and asking them 
you know, I want our first question to always be, what's, what's going on? What's your day? What are you up to today? Instead of what can I get you, you know, and making it more about who they are as people rather than what this ice cream is. And our, my hope is that our ice cream is a vehicle for, you know, them enjoying time with friends or family or even by themselves getting 30 minutes alone to themselves with a suite to enjoy their day. Um, I think a lot of that, I think I get to experience that in a few different aspects with customers, um, our team, and then our leadership team as well. And, and I think a lot of it um, really comes down to like, I, I feel like I think about this a lot and how I even fail at this a lot is um, when it's so wrapped up in like what I have going on or my day to day, like I feel like I lose a lot of joy in like what I'm actually doing. Uh, I was having coffee with a buddy the other day and um, we were watching uh, the barista and um, customer interaction and neither of them were smiling. Um, and I don't think any, you know, either of them were necessarily having a bad day, but we were just talking about even, you know, the acts of how, as a follower of Jesus, just how we conduct ourselves as a smile. What is our, what are we thinking about during the day and, and proud of the work we're doing. And um, it's more than just giving an ice cream. It's literally making, trying to make someone's day better. Thanks, man. That's amazing. Anything for you guys? Well, um, I kind of have to try to, I have an opportunity to make someone's day better too. Yeah, I can of relate course. to that. Um, something that I've learned through my work that's very interesting is even when something unexpected and bad happens to you that you have no peace in, it just came out of nowhere, there's a guilt a lot of people feel. Um, some confusion, sometimes anger. Um, anger's not as common, but for sure, um, what is going on here? Um, why did this happen to me? So, um, and the degree to which this becomes a big issue for someone, maybe feeling almost debilitating, it's almost, uh, almost directly connected to how serious the harm is that they suffered. Um, for me, as a believer, my I, I wish I had no clients. I really look forward to the day of all automated vehicles because I think I'll have little or no work to do there. Until then, um, bad things happen and people are hurt. Um, and I see that office space is just, um, it's, like, it's like I uh, get paid to do this. It's like a ministry, but I actually get paid, like, no, I have to ask for donors. <laughs> My husband grew up in MK and, you know, they had to raise, fundraise their, uh, their income. Um, but I really see what I do as an opportunity to connect with people who are in a painful time of their life, um, to show them comfort and love and kindness, um, to help them walk through this process to get from where they're at and their physical and financial burdens to a resolution and putting that chapter of their life behind them. Um, and then sometimes I'm, my clients are believers. 
Um, and that gives me an opportunity to, like, we get to dig in there about it. Occasionally, you know, we're kind of at those more serious issues. I have no reason to believe this person shares a faith with me. Um, and there'll be times when I kind of tiptoe there. I don't mean to be all churchy with you, but you might, you know, um, uh, you know, just remember this isn't your identity. You know, um, trying to help trigger the conversations or thoughts that might help them move forward in a way um, that's less introspective and um, burdened and more towards an openness to another way. And of course, um, that they would um, maybe move toward a life of faith. It is, um, uh, that's a tension though, and a, um, that's a tension I live with all the time, wanting to be um, uh, open about my faith, um, but not, um, but just knowing, man, ooh, am I listening to the Spirit, you know, and, and not going further? Am I listening to the Spirit when I don't go further and being really plain spoken about my faith? Um, but I do know no matter what my words are, if I'm not demonstrating kindness and love and grace, they will not hear a word I say. So um, I really feel so blessed that, you know, I was pretty much hell-bent. I'm going to be a stay-at-home mom. I'm going to be the PTA president everybody wishes they had or whatever. Um, and now I'm in an office all day. I'm rarely at my kids' schools. Um, and yet I have this sweet spot, this sweet ministry where um, I get an opportunity to do that. And then also in the girl attorney space, because I just get to moderate. I get to, and by moderate, I just basically watch. I just get to see. I have like this best seat in the house, right? All across the U.S., women are encouraging and supporting each other um, and uh, seeing their practices grow because they're getting referrals, because of the open communication. And, um, and I just see them growing in whatever work they were called to, mm-hmm. right? And that's like, that's the deal, right? Like uh, God gives us our work, um, whether we're a believer or not. It's our work. It's ours to do, and we can honor him in doing it well. And so as I see women do well, um, man, that is my jam. It's awesome. It's really sweet. It's so good. I feel very, it's so I'm good. really thankful. Yeah. I'm thankful that you're doing that. Thanks. Cool. Anything for you? Yeah, I think that you just said the word tension, and I think that's mm. the biggest thing of that tension before, when, when do you speak and when do you just listen? And I think, when I think about that, I see more of my failure. And so asking the Lord for help to lean into the conversations and speak the truth. So a couple months, or I guess probably six months ago, I had a conversation with one of our team members who doesn't know the Lord yet and is really into fitness. And And we were talking about healthy eating. She talks about it all the time, you know, so we're talking about healthy eating and working out. And I realized I was talking with her about this, but I never once stopped and thought, what, like, I, I have a different view of why I work out and wh- how I eat what I eat and, and why and the way I view my body is so different and truth-filled. And I did not even think about the fact that I could have shared that truth with her. Like, and yeah, it's not saying the gospel. It's not talking about Jesus on the cross yet, but it's, you know, it's laying that foundation of truth. And I just totally missed that conversation, like 100% missed it. And so kind of thinking through that, that tension of, okay, I'm not saying, you know, the thing, I, I thought it was gonna be this really obvious sharing of the gospel every day. Um, but on the flip side, also knowing when, like, when do you say that, you know, um, Dylan Bird, when we first opened said sharing the gospel needs to be natural and neutral. And I've thought about that so much of like, what's that look like? And so Mm. it's been really cool to see that 
I've asked the Lord, like, Lord, when we get to heaven, I want there to be one more person there because of Hall Speed's kitchen. Like, it would be all worth the pain and the tears that I've had. Um, and realizing he is doing that through, like, our staff, too. So we made a really conscious decision. I don't own a Christian business. I'm a Christian who owns a business. And that was really clear for me that that's why I wanted it to be so that you attract Christians and non-Christians. And seeing that interaction mm -hmm. has been beautiful. So on days where I feel purposeless walking into the restaurant, hear these spiritual conversations going down of my team, you know, these, these people who are passionate and love the Lord, them talking about Jesus and realizing, I never spoke a word, but salt and light. And like the Lord allowed me to, to create this space, you know, that I thought was just pizza. Like I had no idea. So, um, yeah, kind of an all over the place question, but or answer, I think, but just that tension and, and also just being a part of other people speaking the truth and, and affirming that and creating that space has been so pow powerful in my life. So. so good. That's amazing. Very, very helpful and very wise. Um, so let's let's go a little darker for just a second. What are the things in the marketplace that you think are both troubling to you that you think followers of Jesus should be aware of? And what comes to mind for me is is losing your identity. That the that the work itself, and we've already made allusion or have talked about that. Uh, I think that's that's the worst thing you could do is that you just um, that the work is a and income only, mm. only ever, beginning, middle, end. Um, and there are times, and there have been jobs I've had that um, unlike very explicitly the work I have now is caring for people. Um, I've had jobs that didn't look like that, um, didn't feel like that. I remember working at a, I think my first job was at a dry cleaners. Um, and we weren't trying to make people's days better. We were just <laughs> collecting money and giving them their laundry. Mm. There's just nothing about that. and. And so while I think every job has a sacred space, I can also respect and appreciate there are stages of life where you really just need income. That's, that's the scratch, or that's itch at scratching. Um, but I think that the worst thing is that you view your work as your identity, um, that your accomplishments at work and your success at work is what, um, what affirms you as a human being. Um, there's going to be, there are down times in my firm um, and um, that uh, that doesn't define whether or not I'm called to it um, and it doesn't define my value or what uh, my, again, my identity. Um, I think one other thing I would say is I just think our culture as a whole is um, selling this pitch of, of everything. Whatever you have, it's not quite enough. Um, so whether it's uh, what items you have under your roof or what car you have in your garage or where you're at in your career, it's not quite right yet, always. And that is poison. Um, so I think that's something that, um, that's something I wrestle with, uh, you know, all day, every day. Um, and I think that's a, a real danger and a real trap um, because, of course, God has us wherever he has us, and it's the right place. You know, good day, bad day. It's the right place for us, and there's things that we're supposed to learn and uh, in our dependence as we grow independence on him. So um, that, that, like, you're not quite in the right place and looking beyond is, I think, really um, poison, like I said. Thank you. I'd, I'd agree. I think um, rest has been really hard. The tension of, you know, like starting a business, I, I think a lot of it 
anytime you rest, you feel a little bit guilty and thinking, okay, I, there's still this to do, or I should be doing this and et cetera. Um, I think that's been a really big tension for me since starting Capitals. Um, and then identity for sure of like, um, you know, and, and understanding your calling and your path is different and not comparing it to someone else's. Mm-hmm. Um, and that everyone's is should be re- respected. And um, I think that can be the death of anyone is just looking over and seeing how much someone else is making salary-wise or what their hours look like or whatever. Um, and I, I think, uh, yeah, between rest, identity, and, and com- comparison, I think are all temptations I mm-hmm. have to deal with on a daily basis. Thank you. It's been really interesting to see just working with young people. So I'm 25 and I work with a lot of 20 year olds. So, you know, with that, with that in mind of just getting really lost in tolerance and good things that are divorced from real truth and fall is like, yeah, just getting confused on all of that and seeing that in people and seeing that in our age and where to intersect with that. And so I think that's been really dark to watch. Um, yeah, to see people searching for the truth and just coming up with so many good things that aren't the truth and they aren't Jesus. And um, so that's been, I think that's kind of one direction that, that I see that I just really struggle with um, finding, that, finding that balance there. And I think the other thing that I've noticed in the customer service industry, specifically in the hospitality industry, is the fight for my rights. Um, And I sense it in myself. You know, I go somewhere and something's a little bit wrong, and I'm just like, oh, I don't deserve this, and I'm going to call them, and I'm going to tell them. And on the flip side of that, that's what I deal with every day. So all my good friends know if they come in and have a good experience, they got to tell me because I deal with all the crap. You know, I get all the bad reviews, and and, and that's my job. And I, I, you know, I wade through that. And... Really what I see, I, I started to pinpoint it in myself, was that I deserve better. I deserve to be treated better. It's my right to have the perfect experience and to have the booth that I requested that your host promised to me. You know, th- these things and um, realizing, like, that's not my, it's not my right. It's not a, des- I don't deserve those things. Mm-hmm. And how ugly that is and how opposite of humility that that f- strikes me. And so entering situations and just saying, Lord, I get to be humble here. I don't have to have the perfect situation, um, and I don't need to fight for that. So yeah, two very different answers, but I think the things I've both seen while working in this industry more recently that I, yeah, ultimately I see in myself that I just think it's scary, you know, and I really want to ask the Lord for help on that, so. I think the opinion culture hmm. is like, that's the hardest piece of the service industry in general. Like I remember just opening up the shop and working We've been working on this thing for a year and working all day and, and someone can walk in and in five minutes give you a one star and be like, oh, this place is horrible. Um, and, you know, my initial reaction, if if not crush, it's like <laughs> they don't know what they're talking about or um, they have no right to whatever think. And I've, you know, at the same time, I've caught myself doing it. Um, I don't personally review, but yeah. in, in I my head. myself before I <laughs> <Yeah>. do that, <laughs> but I want to. But in my head, it's just, it's just yeah. as bad thinking, oh, this, this could have been done better or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, interesting is my opinion, I think, is mm-hmm. something I, our culture and, and myself struggle with a lot these days.
So good. Thank you, guys. Okay, so as we wrap this thing up, I got two final questions, and we'll just kind of quick hit these. Um, <clears throat> what do you wish that pastors knew about Christians working in the marketplace? The first thing that comes to mind is that you're welcome there. Mm. We, you know, mm. engaging with us, learning about what we're doing, mm. um, getting, you know, our 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 work culture and your church culture, the church culture are in very different buildings and settings throughout the week. And um, and I think for there, to, it would be, you're welcome into our space. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm. be interesting. Yeah, I think that's a good word. I think to just even in thinking to, to come here today, I thought, man, I want your advice on this because I don't know most days I don't know what this looks like, you know? So yeah. I think, yeah, you're welcome and we want your presence. And I want, mm-hmm. and I love that people from Frontline come into halls probably once a day, which is the best thing ever. And, and you know, how do you know that person? Although they go to my church. I love that answer. And I love, oh, they're my community group. So I, I feel very supported and very known. And that's a huge gift. But also, like, I'm hungry for, for y'all to keep speaking vision and mission and passion. And I think the Frontline's... Mm-hmm vision or mission, whatever you want to call it, um, love God, people, and push back darkness. That, that, that is, more on that is so exciting, it's like tangible things of what's it look like and, and examples. So, yeah, yeah, more of that. I feel like you're already doing that. But That's really helpful. Thank you. Yeah. Anything for you? Uh, yeah, I think uh, my partners and I, we're all members at Frontline and have been blown away by the support of Frontline and um, from all areas of Frontline. I, don't, I think it. I think it is hard in the workplace to see always see value um, in the in the sacred and secular divide. Yeah. Um, like I, uh, I feel like you feel so like okay, I got all this going on, and then am I doing this stuff for the church as well? And seeing them as two separate entities in, instead of seeing this. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I think that would be an area I feel like. I would love to even grow in as a member of Frontline is, um, and something my brother and I talk about all the time, like how can we, as people in business in Oklahoma City, like how do you feel encouraged those six days in the workspace um, and not feel like, I, I don't know, does that make sense? It I makes guess. a lot of sense. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's like it's <clears throat> to integrate the two and it just be life and church is a part yeah. of that in the different and they're both of life on and equal pieces of, yeah. like, one's not better than the other. They're yeah. mm-hmm. working together all for the same purpose. Yeah, that's really beautiful. Okay, la- last question. If you could put into one sentence a hope you have for followers of Jesus as it relates to their work, what mm. would it be? My hope is that people would see their work as worship. Mm. Sorry, still your answer. <laughs> um, but really, I think... That's it. It really is. And um, there's so much joy and hope and your direction, your identity, all of it can, all of it's there when it's an act of worship. Thank you. I would say walk with the Lord and give him everything minute by minute, every fear, every concern, every decision, give it all to him. Um. I would say it's your purpose. You were created in the image of God to rule and create. And it's how we love our neighbors is through the work we do. Thank you. Guys, that was amazing. 
thank you so much. It's really great, super Thanks. helpful. Yeah, thank like you. I feel, I feel not only encouraged, but I feel like I have fresh perspective. I think about work a lot. You know, mm. I, I read a lot about vocation, but I feel like there's just fresh life in my heart as you guys have been talking. So it means a lot. I know you guys have a ton of stuff to do and you could be mm. getting a lot done right now. And instead you're here helping us disciple people in, in the church and in the city. So thank you, so, thank you. Thank you for your time. Thanks like I have fresh vision and fresh hope and it's easy to get super bummed out and cynical and allow the narrative that's in my head to be the sacred secular divide narrative and i love the fact that you guys are artifacts of authentic christian discipleship that's following jesus in your job so thank you